0: A one, two, three, four Hey there, this is Matt Wilson, host of Rhythm Roots on Diddy TV I'm excited to introduce our guest this hour, Mr. Waylon Payne whose album Blue Eyes, The Harlot, The Queer, and The Pusher in Me is being called one of the best Americana records of 2020 You'll learn just how hardworking and dedicated this songwriter is as he chats with Diddy TV host Tatiana Z. Let's dive in, and I'll catch you again at the end of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Waylon Payne.
1: Hi, Waylon.
2: Hi there, Tatiana. How are you?
1: I'm good. It's good to see you.
2: It's good to see you, too. Hey, can I brag a minute? You know, that, yeah. record, that record that came out, I found out last night, as right before we were doing that concert, um, it debuted at number 34 uh, this week on the Americana music charts, and it was the second most added album at radio, so... Uh, maybe it's gonna, maybe it's gonna work.
1: <laughs> Hallelujah. Congratulations. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful news. Pretty yeah. fun. Uh, it, it is pretty fun. It's pretty gorgeous, too. Uh, I was listening to the single that was just released a couple of days ago, Precious Thing. Okay. Acoustic, right? Beautiful video. Gorgeous vocals on it. It sounds like a prayer, you know, at times like a plea. It's really just gorgeous. So I'm Thank really you. happy. Thank you. But tell me about that particular song.
2: Well, I mean, it's it really is it really is kind of like one of those, uh, if you will, just a just a thankful uh, thing. Just you know, I went through some uh, some pretty hard times in my life, and I spent a lot of my uh, life uh, plying myself with lots of of drugs and things that would make me not have to feel. And um, I started on a different path uh, in 2008. I moved to Texas, and I made some changes and made a good friend who helped me uh pick myself back up and and just reminded me of of my character and um this whole record came after i got off of crystal meth so it's all really pretty much a you know hey thank god i'm alive kind of thing and uh and i kind of wanted to share the experience with people because it was kind of profound
1: it's extremely profound, and I think there are a lot of people going through, you know, or have gone through uh, the same, you know, that have been in, in those shoes that have walked that same path. Yeah, And it is, yeah. it's always helpful to hear someone uh, who's sort of gone through the thick of it, you know, and it's inspirational to be able to come out the other side.
2: I believe it is a responsibility. I, I do. I mean, you know, um, we're, we are here together on this thing floating through space. To my knowledge, and as of yet, it seems um, that we are the only ones out here. So, um, that doesn't leave too many options open for, um, you know, being careless about it. You've got to, we've got to, there's a path we all need to get on uh i don't know if uh, i don't know if i'm the one that's supposed to teach it but you know what i mean i think that if i think that all you need to do is slow down and think about things a little bit God, there's so much anger today you can't you can't turn on any medium of anything and not hear pure unadulterated hatred and i don't i don't like what this world's become um, and it's crazy because it's become this way since the record's been done and ready to come out. Follow? It's like uh, you know our our world has just done a complete one hundred and eighty, and nothing's the same. And I just uh, precious thing, especially, is so important because it just is a minute to breathe and say, "Hey, listen, let's just take a second and be thankful." For life, you know, and so uh, because I am, I'm, I'm so thankful to be alive, and I'm so grateful to my friends who helped me do that. Uh, I want to tell other people about it, and I want to share the story.
1: That's a really wonderful place to be in, and it's a really healthy place to be in. And I, it's a, it's my wish that more people could be in that place. So maybe listening to that song of yours, they might get a little. Just a little push um, let's hope that they need to get through. I would love it. I would love it
2: to be an inspiration. That would be great.
1: Uh, I want let our viewers know, uh, well, a couple things. Uh, uh, on July 9th, Rolling Stone magazine said that, speaking about what you just said, uh, did a great article on you and they just said that you confront old ghosts and addiction in three devastating songs. It seems that you released the songs on this album in, in parts. Act 1, Act 2. Yes, ma'am. Um, and I'm wondering, as far as the the rest, the next to the twelve songs, same thing. Act three, Act four.
2: Well, the whole the whole album's out now, so it's it's um, um as it far was,
1: as the it singles. Was,
2: well, it, yeah, Act four um, is the it was the last three songs. So um, uh, Santa Ana wins, Precious Things, and the final. Uh, you know, I don't know if we're calling them singles or not because we released kind of like three a month, so it, you got a taste of everything. I don't know exactly what's the single yet, but. The final song, "Old Blue Eyes," I believe, happens uh, a little later today. Uh, there's a oh, new that's video
1: so for exciting. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It. Uh, they talked about chronicling your journey into and back out of hell, and you mentioned dealing with uh, with devastating addiction and. Um, and your experiences as a gay man in direct, honest fashion is what they said, and that's that's something that's um, that's really interesting in today's sort of Americana country uh, genre because it's still not really talked about a whole lot. We don't really talk about you know sexual orientation in a traditional country setting or even in the Americana world. It's kind of uh, it's not quite taboo, but it's not. It, it's sort of just coming coming to the forefront as something that we can openly talk about now and say, hey fans, you know, let's branch out.
2: Well, you know, I mean, um, I've never really I've never really gone uh, with any particular grain except my own. I uh, I lost my entire family um, when I was 18 years old um, because of being gay. And so I made a decision then that I was never really going to alter anything about myself, Um, and if you weren't uh, advanced enough to be able to handle hanging out with me, (laughs) then you didn't get to. And That's the way that I... um, or operate my life, you know. People, I mean, it's not ramming anything down anybody's throat. But if you know me, you know me, you know. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I am a gay man. I don't date. I haven't dated in sixteen years. Um, so, you know, my lessons of love and lessons of life are just, just learning myself these days. And, and you know, um it's. It is, it does tackle some adult themes, but it's just love. Basically, it's just love, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, these were just my feelings and what I went through. They just happen to be the feelings of a country singer that happens to be gay. That's a really small part of my life, though, you know what I mean? It's really not, uh, I mean, we're normal folks out there sometimes you know and and it's like uh we do the same things as other people do we fall in love and and, you know we're just normal people it's not all ways the most outrageous things that you see you know i I don't know if that makes any sense or not but i mean like i've been gay a long time so i've had a lot of time to be comfortable with myself and you know i just kind of think that you should just uh love each other respect each other and be respect be respectable above all though you know
1: Absolutely, especially right now in, the, in this pandemic world. I think the most important lesson is learning. First of all, learning to slow down and find ways to love yourself and extend that love to others.
2: Well, you know, I mean that journey. That journey to loving myself took a long time. I had, uh, I had, I had gone through some things in my childhood that uh, were not uh, uh, good. You know, some some things that uh, should never have happened. And I pushed a lot of that stuff down uh, because I had other things to deal with because the family disowned me. So I had to figure out all that shit, you know. Um, And uh, so it's, uh, hmm. it was an experience.
1: And experiences are what make us sort of these artistic creatures that are writing songs and making music out today. Uh, And you had, I mean, you had a a storied family. I'll tell our viewers. uh, You were the son of singer Sammy Smith. Um, and longtime yes, Lily Nelson guitarist Jody Payne. And yes, Sammy ma'am. Smith, of course, was was famous for a Chris Christopherson song. Uh, it was her signature song I would say. She wasn't simply famous for it, but Help Me Make It Through the Night. Uh, Absolutely. That was released, released in nineteen seventy. You were you were born about two years after that, is that correct? Yes, ma'am.
2: Yes ma'am. Yes. About about uh about two or three weeks after she won the Grammy for that song. That's how that's how long it used to take back then. So the song was released in 1970. I think it became a number one in 1972 where it took a couple of years for it to work out or maybe late 71 and the Grammys came on. Yeah,
1: that's momentous. It is. Um, I read I read a little bit about Sammy being one of the first real outlaw country women so much so that um, after you were born, she moved to Texas with Willie and Waylon to to be an outlaw. Um, And so what? Can I ask you, um, You Waylon was your godfather, so you were named yes, ma'am. for him, <clears throat> and that song was, um, was produced um, by, Jim, by Malloy, Jim Malloy, and I'm wondering if that's why your middle name is Malloy.
2: He was also my godfather.
1: Oh, he was? I had, All right. Yeah, so I had,
2: uh, I had uh, Waylon and Jesse were my godparents, but Jim produced my mother's albums, and, and he was also a godfather. So, yeah, I was named for Waylon and, and, and Jim.
1: So very special to your family, very special to your mom.
2: You know, Waylon, uh, Waylon was the first man that gave her a job in her early career. He, she was one of the way, uh, the whalers and uh, Willie, uh, of course. Uh, there's not a day of my life that Willie Nelson has not been in it, or Chris Christopherson. Uh, those gentlemen taught me. Most of the things I know about being a man, I learned from them, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was a beautiful beautiful way to grow up. You know, it was kind of there are a lot of layers, you know, to it. I didn't like I didn't start uh, really hanging out with my father till I was about. I met him when I was sixteen, and uh, then at eighteen, when everybody else kind of went that way, even Mama for a minute. Um, I started hanging out with daddy and Willie and the boys and they didn't, they didn't care anything about that. They just, they were happy to have another friend and they uh, embraced me and, and Willie showed me how to rock and roll. I have, I've had such a pr- privilege to grow up with a hero like that. You know, I mean, I'm nearly, I'm nearly 50 years old and I started hanging out with that guy. Well, I hung out with him all through my childhood, but as an adult and was able to make my own decisions and hang out with him. I've been hanging out with him since 18 and, Solid, solid man. Those, those, those men are the real deal. They know what they're doing. They taught me everything I know.
1: If you're going to have anybody be a role model growing up, those are the guys that one would hope would when be got, around you.
2: When I got booted out of the house, you know, I, I, everybody was all, well, he's gay. We can't like him. So I just picked the toughest guy I could find, and, and, and that was Christopherson. And I just watched. I sat back and watched. And, uh, and what he did, I did. And what those men did I did
1: we were just talking you know talking about sort of the the era in which you grew up, and I was thinking a lot about this you know as a, as a child, I grew up in l a as a child in the late seventies, and crossover uh, crossover music was a big deal back then, and I mean country pop crossover. What was that like for you as far as your formative years when you started thinking about writing, thinking about playing music, growing up with Willie and Chris, like how did that affect you
2: well <clears throat> um you know, I, I, the radio and, and and record players were my best friends growing up. Um, Bobby Gentry probably taught me more about songwriting or as much as Christopherson did. Um, I I learned everything I know from those two people and my mom. Uh, but, um, you know, your point of, about it being so rich with, with crossovers back then, I think mm-hmm. that maybe... The fact of the matter might have been that it was just cream Mm -hmm. you know cream can't do anything but rise to the top it Mm -hmm. it has to because it's it's pure it's yeah it's rich you know and um it's a trip it was a trip I mean you know going up and and hearing mama I heard mama on the radio all the time she was really really popular when I was a kid like at one minute right when I was Right around the time I was born, for a minute there, she was the most popular singer in the country. You know, maybe the world, maybe not the world. The country, definitely. You know, and uh, and those people that I listened to and and grew up listening to did their job. They taught what they needed to teach. Because I mean, you know, I latched onto that stuff. The only thing I'm doing is trying to emulate what I've learned from my heroes, and and uh, I picked up that skill, I guess, if you will, and, and mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put good music out there.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I can hear that reflected in in your current record. I think that, and and your first record too, which you know, go we we should mention as well. You uh, you released in 2004. I can really hear though that that sort of um, the stripped down perfection in your current release uh, you know it's not it's not busy it's not full of flashes and bells that was,
2: that was the beauty and and the knowledge of Frank Liddell it, it really yes. was he set up an absolutely beautiful experience for me my mother cut most of her songs in the old monument studios which is now Southern Ground uh, Studio, which um, the Zach Brown band owns.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I stood in the same spot that my mother stood in while she, was, she wow. was pregnant with me, while I was a toddler. Every record she sang, I stood in the same spot, and we, we, we were all in the same room. We counted it off. Frank pressed record. Eric recorded it, and then we pressed stop, and that's what you get and we came back, and he put a beautiful orchestra over it. Kristen Wilkinson, and she's uh, she's awesome, and she nailed the, the the Bobby Gentry vibe that I wanted because I wanted to pay homage and tribute to her. Um, I mean, Frank paid homage and dedicated himself completely to this project, and I've never I've list, I I got my album my my test press about two or three weeks ago. And I've only wanted two things from this business, ever. I wanted to, one, someday be a star in my own right and be able to play the Grand Ole Opry with my mom and bring her back to Nashville. And I did that just a couple of months before she died, last place I ever saw her alive. And the other I knew that I would be part of the club if one day I actually had that 12-inch piece of plastic that was magic that took me to another world. And uh, there is... I mean, I've I've had a couple of records that I've done before that I'm real proud of. The Drifter was a great experience. Walk the Line was a great soundtrack to be a part of. But nothing compares to this nothing compares to this because i finally got my dream and it just sounds exactly like it should
1: there's some beautiful closure there's some beautiful closure there i do have a question actually about walk the line but um some beautiful closure about you know growing up for those first few years singing with your mom right she invited you on the ground all yeah. opera stage as a as a as yeah. a little one real little yeah, always. and And then getting to to sort of come full circle and have that be uh, the end with her. It
2: was probably, the. it was sincerely one of the highlights of my life. That that moment was just right on up there.
1: Magic, like you said. True magic. (laughs) Um, You mentioned Walk the Line and... uh, have everybody know that you were selected to play Jerry Lee Lewis in the 2005 picture walk the line with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon and I you know Jerry being of course an icon here in Memphis what did you do first of all what did you do to prepare for Jerry um did you were you here in Memphis pre, pre, pre-production pre
2: um, it, it was kind of on our own um you know um when I auditioned for the movie um I'd originally auditioned for Waylon Jennings and oh. I got a call back and between the time I'd auditioned the first time and call it back I read the script and I liked Jerry Lee's part and so I went in with the intent to ask to audition for that and Mr. Mangold Jim Mangold had the same idea and asked me when I got there if I would read for Jerry Lee and so I did he uh, asked me if I played piano and I said yes and he said, can you have a videotape here tomorrow? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I went home that night and I taught myself how to play piano. And uh, we videotaped <laughs> it. And I got the freaking roll. And uh, <laughs> I've always loved Jerry Lee Lewis. I've, I've, I've adored him. He is, He's is just like, you know, he's part of the family too. He he is, is that's our people. He is our people. And... He was at the Lowe's Vanderbilt here in Nashville right after I found out that I got the part and I went over and I left a note at Concierge. Uh, Mr. Lewis, I'm Waylon Payne, I'm Sammy and Jody's son, and I'm, I'm playing you in this film. I wanted to buy you a drink and perhaps talk to you and, and just say hello and get to know you. I've been a huge fan of my life. Never heard back. I went into the, the movie... Number one, knowing that that was my family. These people were my family. Johnny Cash brought my mother to town when she was, you know, she, he, he got her signed to Columbia Records just because he said so. He was responsible for her career. And, uh, and here he was giving me a shot at it. And these people deserve, these people deserved the adoration and the attention that they were about to get. I made sure that I learned my song on the piano. I got to Memphis early. I was here the whole time that we were filming. I went very early on to the Memphis Library and I checked out old stock tape videos of his concerts. There were a couple of books that were printed, I guess in the you know, maybe the 60s. Trash, dime store, gossip, tawdry stuff, you know. Um, and I just, I just, I knew him. I knew him. We were both from creature backgrounds. We were both, it just, I just knew him. I just knew him. And I just, I just asked every day to have the ability to not screw it up, you know? And And after we filmed the movie, We were in Hollywood at, uh, we were filming a television special for Johnny Cash, the man in black. And um, they came and got me and they were like, come backstage, someone wants to see you. And so I went back and Chris Dopperson and Jerry Lee, uh, Chris Dopperson introduced me to Jerry Lee, who stood up and shook my hand and uh, said thank you for, for the job I did which made me breathe really easy because all I wanted to do was make him proud. And I count Jerry Lee Lewis as a very, very dear friend. I'm mm-hmm. so thankful I was able to do that. And we uh, we talk as much as we can. Uh, I just sent him a happy birthday message yesterday, and I heard uh-huh. he's doing really okay, so
1: that's uh, you know I don't think many people can claim to be friends with the killer good good friends with the killer. He... You know I heard I
2: heard that he uh, I heard that he wanted to kill Dennis Quaid you know and he <gasps> carries and he carries a gun so yeah. I I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna no thank you those are my those are my heroes those are my those are my people this is our heritage I call myself yep. country royalty and I mean it I am mm-hmm. by divine right. And by birth. I am not ashamed of that.
1: Heck yeah. yeah. I believe
2: we are to honor our people.
1: Yeah. Um, So wait, wait, wait. You taught yourself piano in a night? Is that what you did? I hear you correctly.
2: Okay. If you know anything about piano, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're the three. So I had a concept of I knew, you know, what the chords, I knew what the keys were. And I could, I could BS my way through a song in G or yeah, G because it's all, it's all on the, you don't have to use the black keys. So I could, you know what I mean? I could fake it. And, um, and I had this little uh, electronic uh, grand piano, like the, like the Sony, you know, thing, the thing. And in this particular one, you could shift the pitch with just the turn of the knob. So I was playing in, g but i was able to sing this you know what i mean so i was able to work it out then later uh i had to i had to in my hotel room you know i was there for about three four weeks before i filmed a scene but they had a piano in my room and so it was mostly you know i had to i had to just pick it out and and make it look convincing and jim Mangold did a great job making me look like i did too
1: <laughs> so not only did you sing, so you, did you play all the songs live?
2: I had to play that. I did not. It's not. That's not me on the piano. Don't don't think I'm any kind of special person. <laughs> but I did learn the song, and that is me playing it on the thing. And those, I think I did it. I got it in time. But he came away that? from my hands good enough before I screwed up. <laughs> yep.
1: Moral of the story, folks: If a director asks you if you play piano, say yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. You might get a role.
1: <laughs> um, r- real quick, you uh, we, we mentioned just a bit back about, um, you know, you sort of grew up in a strict preacher family. I read that you, at 18, considered uh, joining, uh, s- signing up for seminary school, and I grew up Catholic, Catholic I, girl, too. I, I had similar, similar notions uh, that were quickly dispelled, but uh, tell me, tell me what prompted I, that.
2: I was, um, you know... The, the family I was raised in was very religious, Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, it was kind of particularly frowned on what my parents did for a living. Okay, it was not considered morally ethical. They were sometimes talked down upon for their particular choices that they made, mm-hmm. and I was not going to follow in the footsteps of my parents, according to my aunt. And uh, mm. but gospel music church music was okay to sing, so I started singing gospel music, and when I was 16, I surrendered to the ministry. I, I told myself I was going to go and, and follow the path of whatever it was, of, you know, I was, I was going to be a preacher, and uh, moved away to college, uh, my freshman year in college, and I had an affair with a monk from the Catholic College of the Road. Um, oh. I don't know if it was necessarily well. It was an affair in my eyes. It probably should have been called something different from the eyes of other things. Uh, but um, I got expelled from college basically because I was homosexual, and and uh, and the family uh, disowned me. And so that's where God and I went our separate ways.
1: Mm.
2: However, I do believe that because He does work in such mysterious ways, that I've been given just as much of a ministry today. Um, and uh, the path was was less taken, but it was worth it.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, it's just a diff- it's just a different path, you know. Uh, but it, it we still, still do. Is-
2: we still do. You know, I still I still at my shows every night. Tell them. I mean, I, basically, I give my testimony, if you will. I tell them my story, and I sing them my songs, and I tell them about my my stri- struggles and my trials and. There's not a night that goes by that someone does not pick up on one of them, whether it's the the guy that's trying to come out to his family or whether it's the guy over here that's a junkie on meth that can't keep a needle out of his arm or whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, the kid getting molested by his family. You know, it's like it's it's. I just try to be an open thing. I try to be an open thing and.
1: An open vessel. I really feel, I mean, I agree with you 1,000%. I feel like music, you know, it it lays bare open your heart and the more we share with other people, whether that be through a ministry or, you know, go into music, you go into a concert. There's a
2: reason that like the voice, church. there's the reason that the voice sings. There is. There's a reason that singing has been taking place for millennia. Mm. It, it is the way we communicate the heart song. The heart song, it, it, It's pure joy. It's just pure joy, you know? So, uh, and you know, this pandemic that we're in right now, the state of this world right now, you call me a dreamer if you want to, but I believe with all of my heart that what could save this whole thing could be some music because people are finally ready to listen again. We have an Mm. opportunity and we have a responsibility to not put garbage out there. You know, I'm alive today. I don't have to be. I shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, and we share and we share those stories. We share those stories like that, and through your album. Um, and I want everyone to go look at it right now. Blue Eyes, the Harlot, the Queer, the Pusher, and me, and on, me. on Carnival. Right, and you.
2: <laughs> China, um, thank you so much.
1: It has been such a great time talking with you, Waylon.
2: Thank you, I'm going to go get my mouth drilled on now. So think of me fondly in
0: about thirty minutes. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Waylon Payne. Be sure to listen to other Diddy TV podcasts for more from the leaders and legends in the Americana and Roots music scene. And don't forget to visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.